Yeah, I mean, they're always fun, these ones, chaps, but this one's going to be a corker, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and uh, that was uh, me, Ricky, and Milo just chatting there. Hello, chaps. Hello, mate. Good evening. <laughs> uh, it is uh, this weekend all about the brave, the dedicated, the mavericks. Uh, and in a week where the world of music lost one of the great artists, poets and bona fide mavericks uh, in Shane McGowan, football received further proof that it has its latest and greatest brave, dedicated, here's that word again, maverick. <laughs> in uh, And Postacoglu, is he a manager, a coach, a guru? He's all of it. He's everything, right? He's our everything right now. He's led our still depleted Spurs to Eastlands uh, and was disappointed, I suspect, to only get a point in a thrilling 3-3 draw. Um, we'll be discussing the wider parameters of not just the match, but exactly where Angeball has Tottenham Hotspur sitting right now. And um, we'll also touch on why some people are seeming to find it so hard to understand what we're doing as a football club, right? It's going to be going to be fun to get into that. Um, but chaps, before a ball was kicked, how are you feeling about things? Expectations? Talking expectations of this game. Yeah. Um, we're a mighty team city, aren't they? So you're going to be a little bit fearful. Um, probably the best team in the world on their day. Um, so I kind of thought it was a kind of a bit of a free hit. But um, and I'll be honest, maybe our fourth loss. But because we are massively depleted and you can only, you know, you can only put out who you can put out. And when you're going up against the best, how that's all going to work out, I don't know. Did Ange have a plan? Of course he had a plan. He had the same plan he has every week. And um, that gives us a chance. I think I looked before the game. I think we are, we've got small silver lining. I think we've got the I think we've got best away record in the league, I think. I was a little nervy about this one. I think because of the, the amount of players that we've got missing, you know, and obviously, you know, we now found out we lost Benton Kerr for, you know, a couple of months, SARS out for a few weeks, which, you know, none of us really quite know what, what injury he picked up on international duty and assumed that he'd be okay for this one. And, you know, on top of that, with our, you know, our, our back four of, of fullbacks and actually no, no fit or no available central defender, senior central defender, you know, in the squad at all. No one, none, none available is, um, is remarkable. And then, you know, you're coming up against, you know, arguably one of the best strikers in the world, one of the best teams in the world. And, um, yeah, I was, a, I was, a, I was a little nervy about it. I think, I think like Ricky, I, I did kind of see it as a free hit as well. Um, but four losses on the bounce, you know, it's going to be hard no matter who you're playing. Yeah, I, I, neither of you will be surprised to know, given my nature, that I um, went into this fixture with, full of bravado, actually. And I felt, uh, <laughs> I, I felt, knowing it was, was Man City and having had many a great day up there, as we were discussing beforehand, uh, personally, I, I, and knowing the way that Man City play, I just thought, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of fun. And I actually, I felt we could get something from it, albeit that's as much to do with my um, opposite action mentality as anything else. Um, but, you know, I, in my mind, uh, I summoned the spirits of, you know, other great Australians like John Newcomb and Bon Scott and <laughs> and remembered our Ange and thought, you know, maybe that this Aussie spirit is going to drive us there. So, you know, and in the back of my mind, I thought, well, whatever, if we get fucking thumped, as long as we play the way we play, it's going to be OK. So um, team selection, you know, the same old thing, the same old whispers. Well, we've got to bring Eric Dyer in to counter Harland. It's like, I mean, come on. <laughs> Have we not learned anything at this point? Chaps, what did you well, think of the team? I mean, he, I mean on that point, um, he was asked that in the pre-match press conference and <laughs> said, great. you know, do you, and his first, first word of the, of the answer was, you know, do you have to bring Eric Dyer in? No. 
And <laughs> it was great, wasn't it? It was so good. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, as it happens, Eric Dyer picked up a knock in in, in training and wasn't available. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was one change. Um, Biss in for Benton Kerr. Um, it's what I would have done. I think the players came coming in last weekend um, did pretty well and were worth another try. And you know, we'll go on to talk about Ange's approach. We don't really need to cover that here. But, you know, the alternatives who are coming, you know, Richarlison had trained a couple of days this week, but, you know, the word was that he was kind of fit for five or ten minutes in an emergency. You know, if he's fit, then maybe you start him instead of Brian Hill. But, you know, that's – he's not he's not ready for that. So I, I think, you know, you looked at that bench, there weren't a huge number of options there. I suppose the only one you could, could argue is how we ended up in the second half with Hoybier playing. But – no, I, I thought it was the right team selection. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's another example of uh, just a simple line of thinking from our manager. Really, he's just um, uh, the week before you could see in his post-match interview, despite a loss to Villa, that he was pleased as punch with the way the team played. And I think, as we saw from the game before that, um, if you don't play to his instructions, or he doesn't like what he sees, then he'll change it. And he, he liked what he saw against Villa. So those eleven, bar the enforced change with um, this coming back. Um, got their got their chance again, and that's fair enough, I think. Yeah, I, I I completely agree, and and just to to reinforce the Dyer point, just in case anyone out there thinks that we're you know particularly bashing Eric Dyer, we're not. This is a case of style versus a player who doesn't fit the style. It's it, it's it's nothing to do with that. And and and, and... I, I think Steph, if anyone's listened to this pod more than twice. <laughs> Uh, and they're going to accuse you of dire bashing. Then, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm talking I mean, about the collective I mean, us. It's the collective I, I mean, us. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've dozed off listening to a pod on the on the uh, on the train before or something like that. So, I mean, you know, maybe that's what's happened. They, they've listened to this every week, but every week when you um, eulogise Eric Dyer, they've fallen asleep and just missed it. And <laughs> well, I think that maybe. Well, let me just uh, further state for those nappers out there: wake up. This is not a eulogy or uh, an open praise of Eric Dyer. I'm just once again pointing out he doesn't fit the system. Uh, that's It's as simple as that. And that's why he's not going to get selected. That's why we end up with four fullbacks uh, in defence. That's that's why you know, Emerson Royale gets picked over him. It, it's, it's simple, right? So, and look, let's, we're talking about tired narratives, which is actually what uh, the spin-off from that was. Uh, you know, going into this game, yeah, the old hacks, the ex-pros, you know, and is naive sticking to his tactics, you know, rather than, you know, playing that low block game and trying to hit City on the break. And, you know, I mean, the, the, well, the three words here are, do you agree? Let's just blow those away and tell people why we don't agree, shall we? Why don't we start there? Milo, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I mean, I think this has been kind of rumbling on most of the season. You know, I think, and I'm pointing my finger, you know, firstly, and repeatedly at Gary Neville here, but he's by no means the only one. You've never um, mentioned that you've never mentioned that Gary Neville repeats um, this narrative before <laughs> on this pod. I think I think there's a lot of kind of pro, pro, uh, you know, proper football man stuff going on here, where you know football's better in my day when we played it our way, and I think there's a load of ex players out there who don't understand inverted fullbacks, don't understand what we're doing there, think that getting so many players forward is suicidal, um, and think that um, you know you shouldn't try and play football against against the good teams. I mean, I think what's interesting is that I'm not sure that they were saying the same thing about, say, Arteta's Arsenal a few seasons ago when they were trying to improve and trying to trying to play. And, you know, they they um, had some tough results while they were trying to do that. Um, but, yeah, I think this has been rumbling on all season. And I, I think the commentary, as I watched the game on Sky today, I think the commentary was absolutely appalling. Um, 
where you know they, they they've got this set narrative and then everything's kind of built around that narrative and that's been in, that's, it, that's been in place for a while and the game has to fit around that narrative they're not actually commentating on what's happening they're trying to just fix that to to their preconceived ideas yeah i think um not to be too harsh i think some pundits are still in a living basically um and i don't you know I, and you know they've got a lot of football to watch i don't expect them to know in-depth stuff about every team but whilst it is their job so maybe they should but um you know they're probably not doing too much during the week um but i think this has been an ongoing thing and i don't think and as you say there's a narrative to drive that and the, but the, what the narrative should be is that we're kind of a fresher breath air and some of the ways we are playing may be risky but up to this point it's got us results and we've bought into that system very quickly and there should be more kind of kudos around that maybe not that i'm care if they like us or they don't like us to be honest but i think from angie's point of view uh he would like some appreciation of what he does and um it'd be good if they kind of understood some of the issues he's found now he's come across some multiple issues multiple hurdles that even sometimes they're not acknowledging that really in the sense of um oh. the amount of injuries we've had and and we are still putting in stellar performances. And all they really care about is, you know, on, I think they said in the comments, on October the 21st, they were five points clear at the top and now they're blah, blah, blah. And it's like <laughs> losing four games in a row. And I get the negative stuff is always the stuff people want to listen to. But, um, I, you know, There's you no want a bit more nuance and a bit more of a rounded conversation. I, I think that thing on Ange is, is true because I think they're not really giving any, any respect. And that kind of, you just copy Pep stuff which has come up a few times i think shows a complete lack of respect um i mean that there was i don't know if you ever listened to guardian football weekly jonathan Liu on that week before last so so uh a listener of this pod a friend a friend who listens to this pod had, had said asked me whether i'd um whether i'd heard it and i hadn't and i, I was on a train journey at the time so well, i've got some time to kill should, you know should should i listen to it is it going to make me angry and jonathan Liu on that was effectively saying that Ange hadn't shown any kind of coaching ability and everything that had happened early in the season was just off vibes and that at the end of the season we'll finish up seventh, seventh and eighth and he'll be able to claim the season was a success because um, because we had a, a, fun, a, a, a fun autumn. And it was just like, fucking hell. You know, I mean, like, I thought with him, he was just trying to find an angle that he could twist and, and use and, you know, it's just a... Um, you know, almost uh, you know, kind of contrarian uh, position, just so he can, you know, you know, got a point of difference that he can he can spin. But you know, there's, I've just seen it left, right, and centre. I, I think they're kind of underestimating kind of where we are now compared to where we were last season. And yeah, it's lazy. I think. Oh, I, I, th- I mean, is. <clears throat> Several things to say. I mean, you've both covered the critics very, very well. I will just add that we had uh, the um, uh, footballing intellect of Jim Beglin saying uh, 20 minutes into the first half, I think they need to mix it up a bit and go long more often. I mean, just, you know, I mean, you're just thinking, goodness gracious, can we do better? Why not just shout jumpers for goalposts and, like, you know, I was we need ankle, I... high, bo- ankle high boots out there. You know, it's like, come Big on, they can do run. better than that, you know? But <laughs> I, I, I think that... I, used to have, I used to have a captain in Sunday League who very very much had that approach to games when things weren't going your way. Going, going your way. Gracious. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so antithetical to what uh, Pastor Cogley is doing. And, but I think I've been thinking about this because it just seems so ridiculous how many of them fall into the same trap. You mentioned Jonathan Liu, who's uh, apparently going the Barry Glendening route at the Guardian. I mean, you know, a dinosaur really. And that's a shame because he used to be a good writer. Um, I think, it's fear-based. 
And I also think it's assumption based. And I think that everyone is so busy assuming what needs to happen, because if this doesn't happen, then the other thing will happen. But Ange doesn't play that. He doesn't work with assumptions and he doesn't work with fear. And he also understands that if you want to be Manchester City, Liverpool, I mean, we have to say it, if you want to be Arsenal, if you want to be up there challenging, you can't like shift your tactics every week to try and like adjust and compensate. You have to be your side. And he made that point. He said, if we want to beat these teams, we have to beat these teams. I mean, I'm paraphrasing him. I've got got the full quote here if you want it. I think so. Yeah, let's have it because I thought it was a brilliant quote. So he was asked about uh, whether he might set the team up more defensively at City. And he said, if you had to take a punt, what do you reckon I'd say? Just a wild (laughs) guess. I don't want to be flippant about it. I get the question, but I don't do what I do to prove to prove a point. You look at the top teams and there is one common trait amongst them. They all have a plan. They invest in that plan. They stick to it. They don't shy away from it at the first difficulty. If you look at City, Arsenal, Liverpool, all the team, all the teams that have dominated in recent years, they all have a plan and stick to it. And you have to, because whatever you believe in, whatever you strongly believe in as a person only gets tested in the toughest times. It doesn't get tested when things are going well. And for me, these are the important times because this will show what kind of football team we want to be. You can sort of shy away and say we have injuries. We're playing Man City away, but, uh, but either, but you're either going to be a club that tries to knock off the big clubs or you're a big club. You're one or the other. My hope and my ambition for this club is to make it a big club. And to do that, you have to be successful and win things. To win things, you have to have a plan, stick to it and believe in it and be prepared that during the tough times when you get scrutinized and invariably people will ask questions, which is fair enough because that's what needs to happen. Again, there's only one, uh, the only way you can test yourself. There is no point everyone saying you're brilliant. Um, that's not a good way to live your life. And then he goes on, but yeah. It's, um, before, but before you butt in there, Jay, I just have to say that might take on Blanche Flower-esque proportions in years to come, <laughs> that, that, that whole statement. The thing that grates about that is that is an old, like, is he, what is he, 57 or 59? That is someone that is from the older generation of football who clearly recognises that and realises that's the way forward. And that is the problem with some of the older kind of hack is they still think football can be won or is won by varying your tactics and adjusting to a team and all that kind of thing. And we've had all that for years with England's constant failures in tournaments because we keep changing our tactics and do whatever. And, And he's right. What you do is you do plan A. If that don't work, you do plan A better. And and that's the way forward. And all yeah, and like as he says correctly, all teams in recent times that have been successful do exactly that. They don't waver from their beliefs. It's a lack of fear. I mean, I'll give Carragher one thing. Carragher did bring this up. Uh, I think it was Carragher who brought it up. I may be unfairly um, positively attributing something to him. But one of them said, you know, instead of looking at this and thinking it could be four losses on the bounce, you need to go out there and get me a result in any way you can. This man uh, is, is committed. To to a greater project and a greater and a greater uh, a greater good, if you will, and a greater thing, because he doesn't work from fear. I, I swear to God, so much of society works from fear, and football is no different, right? I mean, it is, and he just does not. And I think that's the wasn't that the essence we heard of the of the halftime talk here. He, he wasn't necessarily angry at being two one down. He was angry that we were maybe playing a little within ourselves and like commit to what we're doing. Yeah, and I think you know we'll go on and talk. About- yeah, a bit more about the second half and what changed later yeah. on. But I, th- I think you're right. 
And, you know, I think, you know, if you look back at the Wolves game, you know, what he's angry about there is us being passive. Yes. If you look at the, the Villa equaler, equal, uh, sorry, winner last weekend, what he was annoyed about is that we were passive in the lead up to that goal. What he wants is us to take the game to the other team. And, you know, all of the time we've been playing well this season, we've been playing like that. And I don't think that's something you can sub in and sub out, you know, sub out. I don't think that's a thing that you can turn on one week and turn off the next you've got to do that and you know he's got to find out which players are on board with that which players are able to do that and then build the squad accordingly you know this is what's useful about this period is we know i think we already knew anyway but we know who's going to be out of the window and who's going to be out in january or who's going to be out in the summer and who needs replacing and where we need to strengthen i think we've learned quite a lot over this last month i think one of the other comments he's made is that um what's what's not surprising, but what has been a real advantage for him this time round compared to his other clubs and why people have taken up his, have bought into his ways and actually executed what he wants for it is because he's just found that people in the pre- players in the Premiership are just of a much more elite level and their te- technical ability and their talent is a lot higher in the first place. And what frustrates to me sometimes is occasionally when you watch like the training videos, and this could be any club, and they're playing training ground exercises or they're doing rondos and that, they do amazing passing to each other and no one can get the ball off them and they do great things. And when you think about um, when you then play to like a like some of our old manager systems, it's kind of like what Angie's trying to do is translate what I see in training and just say, you can do it because I see it in training. All you've got to do mm. is do that on the pitch. And when you watch what Conte got us doing and Marina got us doing, you're almost using like 20% of that person's ability because all we get them to do is sideways passing and safe stuff all the time. And it's oh, so... we're, we're back and, into... and I think Angie's just a brush of fair because he just wants to see what he yeah. says in the season training just on the pitch. Yeah, we're back into that whole area of fear versus, versus yeah, exactly. uh, you know, play, playing without... I mean, what Conte was such a control freak and Angie... Ange wants to control the game, but he wants to control it positively. And he's also got young players. If you use youth properly, yeah. it's very brave Fearless. and it wants yeah. to be brave and it wants to be, it's hungry for that. I mean, imagine the repression some of these young players felt in the last couple of years. My yeah, word. I mean, I, I had a look back at last season's game just to kind of refresh my memory on this. So yeah, last season in the corresponding fixture, we lost 4-2. We had our first choice 11 out, so we, we weren't missing anyone. And that's with a manager who's meant to be, you know, some kind of defensive genius. And, you know, I'd rather have our naive romantic go out and give it a game. You know, he's got a point there, you know, and with, you know, scraps. You know, he's, he's built a team out there today out of scraps. And, you know, I think if you put that team up as a potential, you know, lineup back in August, we all would have shit ourselves. <laughs> we yeah, would have shit ourselves. <laughs> it would have been and, a depends. It would have been a depends afternoon for sure. I mean, yeah. It's a shame Gareth's not here because you know he, he likes to he likes to set quiz questions and what have you do you know, do pub quizzes. Name the starting eleven when we the three three game at Man City in two thousand and twenty three yeah. will be a, a a pub quiz question or you know a sports quiz question in years to come. Yeah, which no centre half kept Erling Holland? Uh, yeah, to, to no, <laughs> no, no one, no one is going to be able to name that eleven in in five years' time. <laughs> No, exactly. And look, I mean, obviously we rode our luck a little bit, especially in the first half. That That's to be given. But maybe you earn that luck when you play this way. We always complain about how the quote unquote other sides like the Man, uh, like the Man Cities and, and the Liverpools, you know, they always get lucky. Well, you know, maybe you earn your luck by playing your style. And and, and I think that's true. And as you said, uh, Milo, you know, there is and it goes back to what you said about Jonathan Liu, which has really irritated me, actually. And, and, and it, it, not what you said, but what Jonathan Liu said, how utterly disrespectful. We, we talk about giving it a go. 
But, the, you know, this man <laughs> has great tactical awareness and knew exactly. You don't go to you don't go to Eastlands and score three goals uh, uh, <laughs> just giving it a go. And you just don't. Would, why don't we use that as a segue into the kind of the question about the second half, actually? Because I think, you know, when we talk about that, you know, he makes a tweak at halftime. He's brought off Hill and brought uh, and brings on uh, on Hoybier. And he said, Holland then, that would have been pretty impressive, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he brings on uh, Hoybier. Um should we just talk about why we think he was doing that? I mean, I know you're not you haven't been overly impressed with Hill over the last couple of games, Steph. I I think he's been a bit better than than you do. But yeah. um and I think I think there's more than just Hill's performance in it. But why don't we just talk a bit about why we think he was doing it and and what change what impact it had? Uh, you know, from someone who's just vibes and, and uh, winging it. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I've got to give it to Brian Hill. I mean, uh, his part in the first goal was was, was excellent. Mm. I mean, lovely play, lovely play. Uh, I think after that, his, sort of his inability to make the most of chances that we were getting and, and to, to retain the ball was, was, it was frustrating me. It didn't feel we had any real um, midfield grasp. Uh, and I think that Andrew's just looking at what he's got and thinking, well, how can, you know, how can I, how can I balance things here? Get a little control, get Decky and, and, and Brent wide. Like, you know, I, I think he's looking at what he can do to balance things and get more midfield control. That's what I saw. Uh, and just to keep the ball better. I mean, you know, Brian Hill was not, he wasn't keeping the ball very well for us. Decky out there is going to do a better job. Um, it sacrificed Brennan Johnson because Brennan Johnson, uh, you know, has been operating very well on the right-hand side, you have to say. But, hey, you got them both. Um, I mean, I, th- I thought I thought it was a, 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 a substitution made for balance and to try and get some grip and to try and get some control. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing in this game was is Hill deserved to start again, but obviously he was in a tough matchup against Walker. Mm. Now, if you think if you think Hill's not physical anyway, then Walker certainly is a bit of a beast, and he's never going to outrun him. Um, I think he contributes really well. I think he's a very intelligent player, Hill. I agree with what you were saying in our mm. chat. I think his periphery is a bit sort of twenty yards radius rather than yes. longer. He can cross the ball fine. He's brilliant at, de- at delivering crosses. I've seen that even when he's played. Um, it's a futsal periphery, not a not a full field periphery for me. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, um, I think, and he does do that body swerve. He does that body swerve well on the touchline. But the annoying thing is, he occasionally he did it about twice. They did the body swerve and sold the player the wrong way and could have then ran down the line. But he then done another body swerve and went back towards his fullback, and that slightly annoyed me. I think. So I can see why he took him off. But the other reason I think the benefit of taking Hill off was put Hoiberg in there was Lacelso was Lo Celso loves to travel up and down the pitch with the mm. game. But when the game's fast, like counter-attacking, he doesn't often travel at that speed backwards and forwards. And when the game sort of moves, and I don't mean this from sort of sitting back point of view, I mean when yeah. the game, like in the Villa game, where it's all kind of moving forward together and then all moving back, the Celso is very much involved. And mm. I think... When he was, because he was playing more of an eight position today, and then we could push him on when Hoiberg came on. I think yeah. that just suited Lacelso better. And admittedly, yeah. I don't know whether that led to better control in the second half or whether it was just other things. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you, Ricky. I think. I mean, what's important here is actually he, you know, he doesn't change tactics between the, the first and second half. You know, what he's got is different players playing the same roles. Yeah, and you know, Lacelso is pushed further forwards into that eight ten kind of hybrid. Uh, and Hoybier's the the, you know, the sitting eight, where Lo Celso was that in the first half. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you on Brian Hill and Walker. I think there's one ch- time where Walker, uh, where Hill tried to get around the outside of him, and Walker absolutely did him for pace. And I think after that, Hill kind of lost a little bit of heart in 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 that 
approach and you know what he's what he's particularly good at is you know on when he's playing on the left is getting around the outside and getting across in and when he realizes that isn't an option then he's forced into things that maybe he's not quite so good at um and i think maybe part part of the thinking there putting brennan johnson there was that he's he's quicker than hill and uh he might get might test walker a bit more and and stop walker being able to get forward quite so much to create a bit more space and you know in the end that works because i mean johnson gets the cross in for the uh mm-hmm. for the for the equalizer and yeah and then you know i mean decky has been absolutely brilliant through this kind of last month where you know it's been really tough for us he's really he's really stood up and steph we were talking yes. about this before we came on yes. yeah. and i i think again you know, in a, in a half where you're looking to try and, you know, control possession, control the game a bit more, having Decky up there, you know, and again, this is something we've noted quite, you know, numerous times before. He's great at holding up the ball and bringing other people into play. And it, it gives us a, a way of holding up the ball further up the pitch. And I think that's how, yes. yeah, that for me, that's the story of the second half is that with Decky playing that little bit further up, mm-hmm. then we've got a little bit more of a foothold in the game further up the pitch. And we're not, you know, it, it, we didn't want to play deep in the first half, but just because City are just so good, we were getting forced back a little bit. And it allowed us just to play higher up the pitch and in their half. And that gave us a lot more control over the game. And I think we were the better team in the second half. Oh, I, I agree. <clears throat> I think another side note, and I'm interested in what either of you think of this is, I thought, you know, poor old Emerson in the first half was our go-to centre-half when it came to distribution and trying to play out from the back. And I mean, let's be fair, he, he hung in there, but it was shaky, right? Let's be honest. And I did feel that in the second half, when Hoybier was just in there with him, not quite with him, but in and around his zone, seemed to settle him down a little bit. He seemed to be a little calmer, a little more assured. As you said, playing a little higher up the pitch is going to help that. But I do think that, that Hoybier did bring a little bit more of an anchor and a stability to those areas as well. We certainly, mm-hmm. again, I mean, playing a little I, higher up is going to help your, is going to help your cause. Yeah, but. I mean, I think Royal... Yeah, misplaced quite a few passes today. He was a bit panicked in possession. But, you know, he he's not the most composed at the best of times. He's playing in an unfamiliar position against the oh, best player, in, no, yeah, one of the best players in the world. I have you know. no f- fault and, against him at all. It's an incredibly brave performance, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether Hoybier... I mean, I think, you know, us having more control of the game, I think, helps that rather than maybe, you know, one individual player. I think the other thing that helped that Doku went off, and because um, mm. he is a very dangerous player, a lot more speed. Than <laughs> I that. suppose and that Greenish is, is <laughs> that is a slight that is a slight advantage, isn't it? That the one of the fastest players in because <laughs> Greenish comes well. on, he's an all right player, but he just does that dandy thing on the wing all the time. He's not like a massive. I know he scored, but he's he's not like he doesn't. He's not been playing that well for them, and he, he's quite predictable. When Doku's just been on fire for them, really. Mm. So, and then that helps Poro. That then helps probably Emerson because there just seems a little bit less threat on that side because I think he went off quite early in the second half docu so yeah but um yeah I mean the substitution definitely definitely worked and it definitely again that whole as you as you were saying you know it allows us to play higher up but there just seemed to be better weight across the front there just seemed to be better balance across the front we seem to be able to hold the ball better maybe it was because as you said Brian Hill lost confidence when he didn't get round Walker the first time but you know I mean there that, that well let's not get into analyzing Brian Hill's performance again another player who is giving everything for the shirt whenever he plays and doing his absolute utmost to be positive. I, I think he gets a pass for holding on the, as you said, for holding on to the ball in the for the first goal, which yes. was you know really you know, three three men around him and you know getting close attention and to be able to yeah. hold on to the ball, swerve yeah. and get that pass out is he gets a pass. 
He does. That's the thing in football. When when you're under that kind of pressure, but he knew in the back of his head where the release ball was and it wasn't facing the way yeah. he was facing. Yeah, and that's, yeah. That's some level of talent, really. That's the frustration with him, though, isn't it? And I think, Ricky, you, I think <laughs> you and I might game. be on the Don't same page. Don't go in the game. We said we were going we to we leave him <laughs> well, be. Well, let, yeah, I know, I know. I can't avoid I'm sorry. I have to one more time. Just to say that the frustration with him is you know that if he can just calm the the, 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 the wheel in his the wheels in his brain, and as you said, when he makes the first faker, he sells the player. Just take it there. Don't go again and again. And hopefully that will come. Maybe that'll come. I don't know. You've got to bear in mind he's 23 years old. And it's his second start in what in the in the year. Yeah, for well, us, maybe. you know, yeah. uh, you know, I think if he was a new signing and you liked him, you'd be giving him a pass for that. And I think maybe just because he's been around for a while. Well, okay, we can't assume anything. I just think that I'm, I'm hoping he grows more. Let's just say, positively speaking, that he is doing his utmost to contribute, and he certainly contributed something that was very positive today. Speaking of young men, as we touched on briefly, a man who I believe is a year younger than him, albeit maybe a foot taller. I'm not sure. But uh, Dejan Kulisevsky, I mean, come on, let's spend a few minutes uh, singing this this man's praises. I mean, he is absolutely playing like a like a senior. He's stepping up more and more every week. Uh, I think we all agree that he was uh, man of the match today. I think you said, Milo, mm. that you felt he's possibly our man of the match the last two or three games, and I don't think anybody would argue with that. But who wants to who wants to take on Decky's uh, magnificent performance today? Who wants to kick us off with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's been he's been fantastic, hasn't he? This last month, as I just said a few minutes ago, and um, I think he's at the you know the form he's in at the moment is as good, if not better, than any form he's had since he's been at the club. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting, his comments after the Villa game, where he was saying that's the position he wants to play, that's where he sees himself playing. He sees himself as an eight-stroke ten, um, rather than as a wide forward. Um, I mean, realistically, I think he could play anywhere. He could develop into anything. You know, the way you put away the goal today, you, you know, he could end up as a as a number nine or a false nine quite easily. Yeah. You know, and we've seen him there on occasions this season. Um, he He's great. He's great, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think just his sheer strength could allow him to play those kind of positions, and he's got a good understanding of the game. And the thing I think we said before as well, he's 22 and he's, he just plays like a senior, like a proper, you know, fully grown kind of man. <laughs> I know that sounds, but you know, phys- physical wise, no one's going to be getting the best of him. And the other thing is, he's like very, um, he's not he's typical. He's a bit unorthodox in a way in his style. I mean, in other words, mm-hmm. there's not many other players you could compare him to really. The way he kind of does that kind of draggy thing and drifts past people and. And I think his um, I think his attacking output's not quite what it was when he first joined, but um, his contribution's definitely up there. I think. I I do think on that though, we've got to bear in mind that Ange wants his wide players to stay yeah. wide, and yeah, yeah. where he's had most success for us, you know, it's the opposite of what he had with Conte, where Conte wanted the wing backs to stay wide, and the wide forwards were tucking in and playing in the half space. Yeah. So he's playing that little bit further out, so has less opportunity to 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 do that. I think yeah, I think more I'm just saying in that really final moment, he's just not quite delivering it on a plate to someone yep. or as much as he was. But, you know, that's picking holes a bit. I mean, as as, as we say, form, form fluctuates on different levels. So I think he's ramping up. I mean, he's hit the woodwork yeah, yeah. a few times in the last few weeks. He's scored a couple of goals. I mean, he's definitely yeah. ramping up in terms of productivity. I think one of the things that I love is that we, are, we have officially seen that we have a player who can play two roles extremely well in this period of time. Uh, we always felt it. It's nice to see it. Uh, I think the other thing that I'm really excited about with him, again, I go back is to sort of this steel 
really like never quite satisfied leadership thing. I mean, I saw the post-match interview he did with Sonny. It was like listening to the Swedish Robocop. <laughs> it's just like, you know, they were asking him, you know, they were like, well, but I think you and I were talking about this, Ricky. He had this whole thing at half time. Yeah. He said, so I think the journalist was saying, you know, what were you thinking in the second half? He goes, well, uh, we weren't thinking we're doing or words to that effect. It's like, we do it. <laughs> and he seemed very unsatisfied with a point. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked very serious. I, I, I like that attitude. And it's, I think it's uh, when you see it in someone as young as him, I mean, he's, well, you know, he's going to be going to some, he's going to be going to some great places and hopefully with us. Right. So, yeah. That's the, cross. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've tied him down to a nice long contract. So if it's not with us, it's going to cost someone a fucking fortune. So <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's not in our notes, but I did want to, I, I did want to um, seed this as a quick discussion point. Ben Davis today, I thought by and large was, was really, really good again. And I feel very comfortable um, with, with knowing that Christian Romero is coming back. I think Romero and Davis, I think I, I'm okay with that. I think it feels very, very strong. Yeah. Ben Davis, any thoughts? I think he's done very well in the last two games again. I thought he was good. He was yeah. good against Villa. Um, yeah. Maybe a little bit to blame for, uh, the winner, you know, being one of many who maybe was a bit passive, but I think he's been very good on the whole. And I agree with you. I, I said after the after the Wolves game that I thought that we'd end up with Cootie and Davis uh, when Cootie was back. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's nailed on, isn't it? And um, yeah, and Royal slip, drops to the bench and as you know, covering anywhere across the back line effectively now, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Davis all day for me. I think you get you you quite often just get what you see with Davis, and he's he's he very rarely makes mistakes. And he's another player that's got intelligence. I don't think that's kind of rated highly enough. I think he's he's got a good all round game. Obviously, he's not going to have a massively outstanding feature of you know speed or anything or height or anything like that or super strength. But he's definitely what what he is capable of. He's maximising. I think with the kind of player he is, and we, and he's consistent. That's the main thing. I think. I mean, I think one of the overriding joys of today's result is we talked a lot about the players we're missing. Uh, we're talking less and less about them <laughs> as the weeks have gone on because the performances have been coming on more and more. And we're sort of at a point now where we have, as as you said earlier, Milo, we've learned who is not going to be part of this. But my word, we're most certainly learning who is and can be part of it to the point where I think we'd all be fairly optimistic of a good run of results based on the fact that only Christian Romero is going to be coming back into this team in the next two or three games. Uh, I'm not so sure we could have felt that confident before. Right. I mean, we're seeing Geo step up. We're seeing Decky rising. We're seeing Brennan Johnson finding his feet more and more and more. I mean, there's a lot of positives in this, I, in this current Yeah, situation. I mean, I, I can't wait to see big Mickey walk out on the pitch again. I mean, you know, he's going to make such a difference. And, you know, you can't help thinking, you know, what this game, well, you know, what what would the the alternative reality where the Chelsea game doesn't end like end like it does and we've still got a squad um you can't you've got to wonder what would have happened over the last month and um you know i think it's it's going okay yeah no well it's not is it because we've we've picked up one point out of four games and um you know and it's yeah i think i think this game today if we'd had you know Cootie and you know Van de Ven and uh, and Madison um, would have been a you know completely different proposition and yeah it's just a shame that we haven't been able to see that. Rick, yeah, Rick, 
Ricky, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to... I mean, to be honest, post the Chelsea game, I was kind of petrified of what might happen because it was was a classic derailment, really, wasn't it? Mm. It was... To think of the games ahead, because we was even coming into some quite difficult games with, like, City, Villa, Newcastle and that. I was just... And then it's not like anything's really improved luck-wise since Chelsea either. We've had other kind of things like the SAR and then Bentacore getting done again. And it's just almost like... Um, it's almost a bit chumba one isn't it, really? You know, you get knocked down, you get up again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just keep getting knocked down. And, but... Deary me. What, but, but what can you... What can, what can you say about um, the, the results have still not been good, but we could have won any of those games and the performance has been yeah. good. And to think that you're 14 games in and we bring all these players in from like lower down the squad and we still we still knock out those performances is testament. I don't, and I'm not sure that. whether the, it's Ange that's doing that or whether it's the structure that he's It's just vibes. Jonathan Lou told us it's just vibes. Oh, it's just vibes. Yeah, yeah that, vibes. that is my whole point. That's the point I'm making. Of course, we're all going to sit and talk, think about. I mean, look, there's no two fucking ways about it. If we have Madison, <laughs> Van der Ven, and Romero in the last three games, we've probably won them all. We're probably top of the league. There's no two ways about that. But surely the huge, huge thing here is that we have, we are seeing the philosophy of this club is so sound and so positive and so progressive at this point that when those players come back, we're in a good place. And at the current lot we've got, believe that they can do the job. This point today is going to prove to them once and for all, yes, we can do and, it. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, I think that's what we've got, the positive we've got to take over the last month is, Huge. That, you know, Andrew's stuck to his gun. So we're, we're kind of coming yes. back to the, the point we opened on and, you know, that yes. discussion there, you know, maybe it's a good way to wrap it up. But, you know, we've, we, he, he's, he's stuck to his guns. He's, you know, he said, this is the way we play. This is, we're always going to play like this. You know, I'm never going to back down from that. And, you know, they would have taken that from that second half in the Chelsea game. They would have taken that from his reaction to the disappointment, you know, the disappointing performance against Wolves. And then, you know, these last two games where we've played a lot better and, you know, continued to play like we were when we had all our A-listers available effectively, despite the fact that, um, you know, the players who are starting, you know, half you know half the players are the ones they're they're replacing really but they they they've they've done everything they could and yeah i think you know even the ones who've who've done well um there's a load there who i don't think have got a long-term future at the club um but they're you know they'll they'll be leaving with their heads held high, high i think mostly and have been you know have got us through a really really tough period and you know what we've got to we've got to hope for now is that you know we can finish or build on the good work we did in the summer, and you know we can add a couple more in January, and, and we can finish that rebuilding job in the summer. So that, that this time next season, when we have injuries, and hopefully you know we've got two games a week, and you know we're playing in you know, in Europe, that we've got a squad that can cope with that. And you know that's where we've always been let down before. We've always had maybe you know even at our best we probably had a good fifteen players, maybe sixteen players, but nothing nothing beyond that. And we probably need to move that to having a good you know eighteen maybe you know players that that can that can you know rotate it you know week in week out. And, and you know that's where we've got to get ourselves to. Yeah, and I mean I think the psychological rebuild is three quarters of the way there. And I I have to say I I did not think that we were going to be able to achieve that in this short amount of time. Um, but I think we're still, as was proven by discussions, um, you know, in the post-match interviews of the halftime um, reminder that Ange gave them as to what this football club is all about. It's still, they're still having to remind themselves sometimes, but 
we're a lot further along in that psychological. So yes, over to you, uh, transfer committee and Daniel Levy. Let's give this manager what he needs because we have seen that the philosophy fully, fully deserves to be supported. Um, chaps, what did you think of uh, Manchester City? Really, not a lot changes. <laughs> If they knew how to shoot straight, they would have won quite comfortably, wouldn't they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe we're lucky at the point we're playing them. Um, I mean, Holland was awful. I mean, he's, he's a bit of a passenger when he's not scoring anyway. And, um, you know, they're, they're, I was thinking with the, the open goal and the shot over, if it was Richarlison who'd done that, we'd all be on his back and moaning and, yeah. you know, all, all of the, um, you know, the usual gripes would be out. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think maybe we got a little bit lucky, but they're you know they're a really good side, and um, it was I a really good test for us. Yeah, they probably had a little bit of an off day in that kind of first half, and there was no shame for us really because we watch City games every week, and they kind of just dominate people in the first half like that, and have chances. And some weeks they're four up quickly, four nil up quickly, and other weeks they might not be. I mean, the record's not that great this year. I think even at home it's not that great. They've had some losses and that. So uh, I thought they'd kind of eradicated that vulnerability thing of being caught on the break in that but I suppose John Stone really helps when he plays there I think when, yes. when he's available but I think a lot of their players look like players I meant they bought Guardio and Akanji looks a great player Walker's usually an insurance at the back there and so and their goalkeeper's obviously brilliant um, so um, uh, yeah I think I mean they were they found a little bit of shade on City today, I think, when it came to uh, the you know the chances of them winning the title. But I think we've probably had this. Con- I think most pundits have had that conversation before, and I think they even had it last. Didn't they have it the year when mm. then City won the treble? I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it's like I mean their bench. I mean, you know, Calvin Phillips yeah. isn't even getting a sniff. They bring on Kovacic for the last five minutes. I mean, their bench is always going to allow them a level of of squad superiority over what most of the Premier League. And the, you know, mm. we can that's a discussion for another day and what we think about that and so on and so forth but I will tell you this I think they dropped a bit of a bollock in not convincing Gungawan to stay around I mean what yeah. really important player yeah. for them and I don't think uh, letting Mares go at the same time as Gungawan uh, has, has left them uh, stronger at all I don't think they've re- I don't think they've replaced those uh, creative options if you will um, and so I'm relieved that they can't bring them on I, I think I think this is I think this is Guardiola trying to make it difficult for himself, isn't it? I think he just tries to find new ways of testing himself. Maybe, and yeah. I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he he let a number of players leave that have been really important for them and didn't necessarily replace all of them. He's you know obviously strengthened in some areas, um, and you know quite a lot of seasons they seem to kind of struggle through the autumn and into the winter while he's trying to work out yeah. you know, how to play and what's the best 11 and, and what's, how's the best to get out of them. And, you know, he's got the ability to see the game in a way that no one else does and think of, you know, switches that no one else does and then everyone else, you know, kind of kind of copies. And, you know, I think you're, if you look at how they've gone in the past, you know, at some point soon he'll come up with a, 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 you know, a, a change that's, uh, and everything clicks, and they go on a run and, and win the title. And yeah, if you ask me to put any money on you know, the outcome of this season, that's what I'd be betting on at the moment. But yeah, probably got to happen pretty soon. 
I find it fascinating that he's managed to somewhat negate, uh, I don't know about negate, but certainly dull the sharpness of both Phil Foden and Jack Grealish in the same squad at the same time. Uh, neither of them look fully on top of their game. Uh, I will say, I think Rico Lewis looks like a really good he's player. Great. Yeah, he's really good player. a really good player. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they, 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 I mean, I think, I think we're all agreeing, right? I mean, <laughs> they could have absolutely buried us in the first half and probably should have. Um, and I think the second half, I thought they were, I, I thought we were the better t- better side and, and yeah. you know, I think we'd be disappointed to, to, have, to have not won the game based on the second half, but they would have been disappointed not to have wiped the floor with us in the first. So, And I think that's, I think that's the positive we've really got to take from this game is that the that second half performance against you know one of the best sides in Europe and we were every bit as good as them and if we can build on that and that you know that's that's what we take from this game i think that's a real positive what's your negative what... <laughs> well, i think we are i think we're already there i think he's in one positive one negative that's not my positive actually my positive oh, was oh good okay go on my my, my positive which we we've, we've overlooked was uh, Jamie Donnelly getting his debut and oh, um yeah. Santiago on the bench for the first time as well, which is nice because he, he had a hamstring injury that he picked up for the under twenty one, so he's been out for a little while. So, um, which is a shame because I think he's a player that would you know might have um, been useful in some of the early games. But yeah, Jamie Donnelly getting his de- first team debut is a really nice nice touch. I mean, I, I was, ideally I was hoping with this game is that we'd get a three three goal lead and then we could bring on Dorrington, Donnelly, and, um, and Santiago. You know, give them a, give them a debut away from home where there's less pressure and all that. You know, and you know, blood them and then. You know that 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 was the ideal, but yeah, no, really good, really good to see him, and um, it's a it's a good reward for him. Uh, you know, after an excellent season, and you know, you got to bear in mind that he's only just come up to the under twenty ones, even so. Um, you yeah, know, really good. Uh, negative. I don't, I don't really think there are. I mean, there's bits about our performance that I'm not not so happy with, but you know, I'm, I'm just kind of pleased that the players are trying. You know, you, if you ask him. You know, we talked about Royal. You know, he, he's not a centre back. We're asking him to do you know difficult things in probably the most difficult place he could do, he could do it. And you know, he's trying his best. So I'm not going to give him a hard time. I suppose you know maybe it is just back to the um, kind of the pundits and the the media noise around it. Um, yeah, just not getting what we're doing, not understanding it. And then you know what happens is that you know everyone starts repeating it, and that becomes the narrative. Yes. And you know, Ricky, you're saying about kind of you know throwing away a, a lead or you know the the, the the lead at the top and stuff. You can see that kind of narrative building. It's just bullshit. <laughs> Me, um, I think my positive negatives kind of rolled into one. Really, I think to start with, I think the performances are just so encouraging, and then. I think to touch on maybe something you were saying, Steph, it's just something's really annoyingly niggling me now. And that is that without these kind of issues we face, we could, I think we, and this is even more so now because we're playing well with such a depleted team, is we could have been a force this year, I reckon. And, um, you know, I'm not expecting no bad luck, but the amount of luck we've had from the issues we've had and the hurdles we've had to get over have just been like, just been sort of off the charts, really. But, um, and I think... If we did have half a chance for the stars to align, um, if you're honest, we're not going to not be in Europe any other season, are we? And that is a massive, massive advantage if you're wanting the stars to align. And it was almost as though that will help us just develop ourselves as a team this year. But what we've seen right from the beginning is, hold up, this might be something a bit better than that. And now we've just been kind of so, you know, we've been chopped down so much that I just think it's it's probably going to be, it's going to be February, isn't it, before we see the kind of probably the team we want to see. 
You know, we've I think I mean luckily I think we've only got two we've got two games scheduled in January, I think. That's, that's like right. league games. So that's not too bad. But come the start of February there, we're probably, you know, all the Madisons and the Van der Vens and the whoever will be back. So we are because you know, we're gonna have but, to suffer the applications and the Asian games. And, but yeah. Sunny Biss and Sarah are off. Yeah, so they're off. So it's all so we're gonna have to you know, we're, you know, without wishing them to get knocked out of their tournaments, we've got to hope they get back quickly. But um it's just annoying because Having all those gaps between games. I mean, the other on the flip side, you're probably grateful we haven't got Europe because with the score we got at the moment, and we had to go to like midweek games in Europe this season would be no. absolutely terrible. But so no, it's just niggling me that. That's just niggling Is me it? because I wasn't before we started well thinking, oh, we're going to win the really? league and all that. But no, no, not really. I just I was just kind of quite I... easy with it. I thought wherever we go, we go. But now we've turned out brilliant performances against some of the big teams in the league with absolutely a skinny squad. It's now made me think that even more that we could have been a force. So you know. I, I I will say that uh, being someone that actually believed early on that if we could stay injury free, we would win the league this season. But knowing that we wouldn't remain injury free. So my positivity was, was doomed from the start in that sense. The positive I have is actually rooted in in somewhat of your irritation. And that is that from this um, situation where we are down to our skinnies, if you will, we finally have a manager who doesn't believe, doesn't solely believe in auras, doesn't solely believe in prag- pragmatic, you know, fucking defend, defend, defend and don't play football bullshit. We have a manager who believes in Tottenham Hotspur Football Club and believes in playing the way we need to play and is quietly, smartly, intelligently, non-hyperly continuing to impress that upon everyone at the football club. I suspect from the tea lady right on through to Sonny, the skipper. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the. Adv- I love how we're reacting to this uh, quote-unquote adversity. Uh, we're reacting to it with, with total positivity. And I think it's an enormous, enormous uh, thing. And we saw the benefit today, second half. Um, yep. I think my negative is the same as you, Milo. Uh, again, you know, we've got these Luddites and tossers out there in pundit land, uh, and the same as you, Ricky, I know you agree, you know, who continue to peddle this tired, cliched, boring narrative based on their own, you know, I, I don't know, personal fears of life or football fears in life. I don't know. But uh, if you're listening to them out there, then consider yourself, uh, you know, you're being duped and, and get smarter because they don't know what they're talking about because they're not looking and us as a football club right now, they're talking from their own little box of fears and cliches. Um, and, you know, the sooner that ends, the better um, for anyone who listens to them. Uh, it'll certainly make my listening uh, life a little more fun every week that we don't have to put up with it. But uh, yes, I'm with you, uh, my uh, chaps. Really, that is the only negative I can find. So, Should we move on to the week it? that was? Yeah, yeah, yeah go yeah, on. Should... Away you go. So, Away you go. Just the one this week. So FA Cup. We've been drawn, away, uh, drawn at home to Burnley in the third round of the FA Cup. The games we played the first weekend in January. Uh, it's the weekend of the 6th of January, I think that is. Um, happy with the draw, chaps? Yep, I'm happy. I think um, think uh, as long as company's true to form and keeps playing the way he's playing, I think that plays into our hands. So, um, And I don't think he is. He's, he's another man not for turning, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. Could I mean plenty of other lesser teams involved but i think i think that sometimes it's quite good if you know what you're getting because they're another premier league team so um, yeah you can never complain about home draw in the cup can you i mean really that's always no, the no. first thing you want to well, get i you, think to get you off yeah we're not we're not going to play on some churned up field with a right yeah you know, six foot three 
you know, 40-year-old who's, you know, intent on trying to injure <laughs> one of McCoggerson. our... Yeah, yeah, kind of injure one of our... part-time builder. You know, yeah, <laughs> injuring one of our returning players or something. So, you know, we're not going to get that from Burnley, are we? And I, I think I think Burnley, there's a high chance that I think Burnley might rotate because obviously staying in the Premier League is going to be a priority for them rather than winning the Cup. So, yeah, I think from that point of view, it, it works pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Ricky, maybe the FA Cup's where not having the midweek games can can play for us and you know we can take it yeah. on the other end of the season yeah definitely I think um well she's definitely up for the cup as they say I think um I mean and by then January it might be also a game where we have got people coming back so that gives them some minutes as you say not against some lower league clogger because you wouldn't want you know the, the Rolls Royce the Benton Corps playing you know <laughs> against yeah. someone from that division yeah. but um yeah so yeah it's I'd good. love us to get to the cup final, if only to hear an Australian-themed cup final squad song. They don't, they don't do songs anymore, Steph. That's they been one for years. can for me this year. We can we can tell them that they're doing one, and we can. What, what, would we go for a? We wouldn't go for a Midnight Oil or In Excess style, would we? We'd be looking for more of something of the classic old ACDC, well, I mean, right? I, well, no, I, I think I think we ought to redo Live It Up. But... <laughs> Get into that more. I, I like I th- this. I, th- I think Ange just, yeah. Hey, hey, there, you with the sad face, come over, come up to my place and live it up. I mean, we, we've we've got the we've, we've got the you know the White Hart Lane disco, haven't we? After every game, yeah. I think that's asking for it. The whole of the park park lane singing along to that. I think it'd be great. Be good. I like <laughs> I th- that. Yeah. I, I think the um, I think the other thing actually, good thing with Burnley is just saying you mentioned Ricky. I think it's a good it's a good tie for uh parents who want to take their kids along to a, you know their first game or a game um yeah. you know, should be able to get should be able to get tickets reasonably easily and um you know i think we we had a home game home game at the same stage last season didn't we but we, we had a run where we haven't had a home fa cup game for a while and it's you know uh, getting tickets for premier league games has been a nightmare this season and they've all been at the, you know the wrong times and stuff so um yeah a saturday three three o'clock um, so is, is is that what the gaps are in January? One will be the third round, and one will be probably the fourth round. Fourth, yeah. Well, there's also yeah. there's also midwinter break. So, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got two weeks, and that's that. Thankfully, falls during the during Afcon and uh, and Asia Games, so um, that helps a little bit. I mean, just going back to that briefly, I think if all of our if all of those um, countries got knocked out in the group stage, then the only game they'd miss would be Man United. But um, that seems pretty unlikely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, those you know, I'm sure Man United will have some players uh, off at these tournaments as well. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, everyone else is going to have players at these tournaments. I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I think we, we, Brentford are one of the teams we're going to face. I think they've got three or four players missing. I think mm. the um, I think Forest are the ones who do worst, and I think they miss. You know, half their squads are off, and um, we don't have. Well, thank- thankfully, we, he signed another squad and a half that's in a closet somewhere at the city <laughs> ground, right? Like's <laughs> been accumulating players like trading cards, hasn't he? That guy, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, well, chaps, it was as we said at the top of the uh, of this less than an hour at this point. Um, we knew it was going to be a fun chat, and that it has been. Uh, brilliant, nice one. Just indeed, yeah, nice one. Uh, we'll be back next weekend to discuss our games plural against West Ham and Newcastle as well as any other Spurs stuff that has happened during the week so thanks for joining us and we'll see you all next week